0: on come on come on come on come on Demon.
1: hello and welcome to attention to detail my name is tim and thank you so much for joining us we are back for season 2021 and things are looking a little bit different uh, in our family lives. Uh, myself and my wife, Penny, brought our beautiful daughter, Harper, into the world on the 27th of December. And also, our fantastic co host, Steph, is 30 weeks pregnant. And unfortunately, uh, we had, well, I had the opportunity to interview our next special guest, our first special guest for 2021 in Melbourne Hard Nut, Guy Ragoni. And unfortunately, yeah, Steph couldn't make that one, but we're hoping to get her back for the season preview before round one so uh, have a listen Uh, enjoy the chat with Riggers who was an absolute legend and yeah has some great stories about that era and and some great insights to uh, where the D's are headed hopefully this year so don't forget to give us a follow on Facebook Instagram or Twitter and yeah go D's enjoy all right. well our special guest today is a cult melbourne legend who played during the successful era uh that neil Danaher was coaching and he totaled 107 games for the club keeps 35 goals and also been told that he's equipped with the quickest and most devastating long drive in golf and uh still to this day is still regretting the sale of his nissan skyline is that right guy <laughs>
0: I am now yeah. the collector's edition so yeah was it a skyline R- was my R- pride? yeah <laughs>
1: was it a r34 was it r31 31,
0: 31. A- yeah
1: now beautiful well guy ragoni welcome to the show thanks so much for joining us thanks for having me no worries so i figured we'd you know try and map a bit of a timeline of your career and take it back to back to the start and you were picked up by hawthorne in the draft and i understand that you you're a hawthorne hawthorne supporter as a kid is that right
0: that's correct. Like yeah. I was, I was mad Hawthorn supporter. I loved Dermy was my favourite player, so I loved yeah. that era. Was you know Dermy Dunstall, um, yeah, Johnny Platten was a superstar. You know Ben Allen, uh, Darren Jarman was there at the time. So yeah, and fantastic players.
1: oh, absolutely. And it would have been pretty pretty exciting to have potentially the opportunity to play with some of those people that you those, some of those players that you looked up to and you spent a couple of years at the club. How was your How was your time there?
0: Look, look—it was good. there's a steep learning curve going from you know country footy where you train once a week to that environment where you all of a sudden you know, you're 18 years old and you're training like three, four times a week. Yeah, um, my body—I probably struggled a bit to start with, but I was always aching. And but the, the, it was a good, great club, the Hawks. But um, yeah, you know, I just struggled at that time. There was a massive change. There's a lot of the older guys, and then a lot of us younger guys. There was a big gap in between. So the so missing that mid-range bunch of guys that sort of helps bring you through.
1: Did you ever feel like that you probably deserved to crack at senior nah. level there? Like you had, I know you had some pretty stiff competition, as you said. And I think debuted or drafted in the same year as Shane Crawford as well, too. But yeah, it sounds like you had some pretty stiff competition to try and make it in the sides, even though you're pretty successful in the in the resis there as well.
0: Yeah, look. I, when I look back now, I think I, it wasn't really close, to be honest. Like you, The level you got to be at to play senior footy, I realised later, when you go back and I got to play with Melbourne with the Demons, you realise the level you got to be at. And I wasn't quite good enough at that age. And you know, it was frustrating to be told uh, you know, we've got too many guys your size and not quite good enough, so yeah. you of a kick in the guts. But then you know, I went back to the bush and played another three years of senior footy, and that really you know, helped me to you know, virtually walk back into Melbourne and play straight away.
1: Well, yeah, I could imagine you'd have a bit of a different mindset sort of coming back and, and spending that time back at Myrtleford and, and kind of getting back to your grassroots footy and probably, yeah, it eases the pressure of that expectation a little bit, I guess. But in, in yourself, you would have been pretty motivated. Did you think you might be might be lucky enough to get a second crack? Was that in your mind?
0: To, to be honest, no. I thought I'd, you know, I'd had my chance and that was it. And then... Probably the first year back, I didn't really play that well, you know, in country footy as well. I was sort of a bit over footy because you sort of, a bit, like I said, I was a bit just dis- disheartened a little bit. But then, yeah, you know, I started enjoying my footy probably, you know, late that first year, just with my mates again, and yeah, and starting to enjoy. We didn't, we didn't win many games that first year. But then the second year, uh, I was back there. We got a new coach and we, you know, got a few recruits and started to actually win some games, which always makes it enjoyable to play when you're winning
1: oh absolutely i understand when when that invitation finally did sort of come uh you know maybe a little bit unexpectedly i think that phone call that you that you received you you might have been on a bit of a mad monday is that right when you found out that you'd been invited to trade down to d's or you're
0: at a pub i think it was i think it was a mad tuesday actually so
1: <laughs> yeah
0: because like we'd finished for the year so i wasn't yeah. expecting you know to play a game and me and my brother, we actually booked a room and we played, I think, Lavington. So we stayed in Aubrey for the night on the Saturday night and yeah. had, a, had a good night. And then Sunday they had the best and fairest at Myrtleford back at the club rooms and I ended up winning that. So we had a pretty big night that night. And and then uh, Mad Monday the next day, <laughs> the boys said, oh, we better go on Tuesday and just have a couple just to yeah. Yeah, finish, off the, finish off the year. And I think it was about, I don't know, 8.30 at night and the phone rang at the pub and... It was my dad, and he said, Oh, this guy from Melbourne rang up wants to know if you want a game on the weekend. And I had a, had a couple by then, so I sort of yeah. put the phone up to the boys and said, What well, do you reckon, lads? And they like, Yeah, come on. So, it was quite funny. Yeah, oh, I nice oh, you you should come home, but I thought I'd wait, wait, wait until about midnight and went home then. So, yeah,
1: yeah, nice one. So, what's that? Yeah, Tuesday, yeah, went a couple of days or a few days to get it out of your system, and then yeah. and then straight I into did, it I did in
0: the a weekend. I think I waited till about Thursday to have a run because I actually rolled my ankle in the last game, so oh. it was a bit black and blue after a few days on the piss. So I thought yeah, I okay. better just take it easy. <laughs> I think I had one run with a mate and had a kick, and then yeah. played on. At, yeah, at uh, actually punt road against Richmond on the on the Saturday.
1: Yeah, right there you go. That's so, a that's good. a decent turnaround. <laughs> so you made your debut in the end. So arriving at the club and then made your debut in. Round one, ninety-eight. That's right, isn't it? Over in Subiaco. Yep. That's right. What a yep. what a baptism by fire that would have been over there. Was it? Was the crowds as relentless as as they you know have that reputation to be over there? Rather than I'm sure it would have been nice to walk out in front of the MCG for your first game. But how was how was that first game, the, your debut game there? Yeah,
0: it was it was it was awesome actually. Like I really yeah, it was a, a big big thing to travel. Like traveling was hard, and and I, I always speak to people about you know how good West Coast must have been to win those flags, you know, traveling all the time on the road. And yeah. look, I was lucky enough to play well in my first game, but it is hard to get used to because we still, even by the end of my career, we we're trying to work out the best thing, whether we flew over that day and then stayed the night for recovery or went over the day before and, and then trained, had a light run and then played. So it's pretty hard sort of formula to work out what, what works, everyone's slightly different. So some guys like going early, which I did. I like yeah. getting over there. and having a stretch and we had a practice run the the day before only you had a bit of a kick and that was it. Uh, But some guys like, you know, getting there that day. So they slept in their own bed and were pretty comfortable
1: yeah well they're still trying to obviously you know there's no perfect way to do it yet i think there's still teams are still doing different things and obviously the bubble last year in 2020 would have really tested them out in terms of how much traveling was going on and, and would have given them probably a little bit of insight to to what those interstate teams do sort of week in week out
0: we're lucky that we actually won that game against Fremantle, so it was a good it sort of kept the crowd a bit quiet which was good
1: so. yeah oh, i bet I bet there'd be nothing, nothing sweeter. I could, I'm sure. Um, And you also made your debut along with, alongside a couple of other pretty important Melbourne football club players that are, you know, alongside yourself, pretty heralded in Melbourne's history. In in Travis Johnson and Jeff White, and I think that was Jeff White's first game after he'd been traded because obviously jimmy was still playing do you remember when he when jeff got to the club and was because he was a former former number one pick you know pretty high expectations in that sense and it was a, it was a big trader thing at the time
0: it, it was a massive thing actually like everyone was so excited to get him because we'd all seen him you know play and his these leap and stuff like that and we thought yeah. you know he would complement jimmy unbelievable because jimmy you know was that the big guy that sort of stayed on the ground a bit but what he could sit on blake's heads and do, do, do the special thing and kick goals you know so he was they complemented each other really well that first year. You know, Jimmy, Jimmy probably played. You know, I think he only played about 14 games that year. He had a couple of injuries in that, but um, Whitey, Whitey did really well.
1: Yeah, not a bad, uh, not a bad mentor to have. And Coming then, up-
0: and then, Trav was special. You know, he, to come in at 18 years old and play, you know, straight away, you got to have talent. You know, like there's a lot of kids that get drafted number one that don't play for a couple of years. Where he yeah. came in, he looked like a skinny, skinny kid from school. You know, but he could play seriously play.
1: He definitely could. And I think, especially that sort of era, was very much the era I grew up with in childhood was when I started going to the footy with a lot with dad. And, and Jono was always one of those players that was, you go to watch, it was really exciting. And it still probably disappoints me a little bit now to think of, you know, his his Twilight career kind of really kind of faded out really quickly and probably didn't quite get the fanfare or the send off that he deserved, you know, heading to Brisbane and, and kind of slowly fading off there. But as I said, really important players in in Melbourne history and part of that successful era that you were a part of and there's always that ongoing debate between having it was such a successful time when Danaher took over and were sort of in and out of the finals you know that yo-yoing effect sort of over the years but one of those ongoing debates is you know 98 or 2000 which was the better side when I know 98 was your first year but from from your point of view which which side do you think had the greater potential?
0: I, I think 2000 definitely, but I think 98 was probably the year that we had more of a chance to win it, a bit, yeah. little bit of luck. I think we um, you know, had some of those older guys that were there um, and we just couldn't get over North Melbourne. Like we beat Adelaide you know, by I think 70 points in one of the finals yeah. and they ended up winning it that year. And it's pretty hard to watch when you, And you know, we, I think North beat us by 20, 25 points and we, we just couldn't stop Kerry. He was unbelievable. And, you know, it's a... To see them play in the granny and then get beat, you know, they should have they should have won it north and they kicked badly and then the crows come out and fixed them up in the second half. So that was frustrating to sit back and watch that.
1: I think yeah, I think Shell said the same thing. You know, like '98 was definitely felt like the biggest chance, but whether it was the you know the better side or not, but just in terms of yeah. everything, the way that the fixture fell and and favourable matchups, it sounds like that yeah '98 unfortunately was the one that got away. When it comes to 2000, I know I'm sure there's a lot of uh, mixed emotions and memories there. But what's what do you remember of the day? This, I'm sure it's a big blur. But is there anything that sort of sticks out?
0: Yeah, for, for me, probably the the atmosphere was unbelievable at the start of the game. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I grew up just watching the grand final on TV. You know, you know every year we'd have a barbie and we'd get together with a group of mates or family and watch it. And yeah, the, You know, when when they sing the national anthem and that roar, that was one thing that sticks with you. Like the hairs on the back of your neck just stood up. Yeah, and you're like, I'm really here, and you have to sort of pinch yourself to say, I'm here, and it's time to play. So, um, and the and the other thing was obviously, you know, when Troy Simmons got knocked out, that was because I was living with him at the time. So that was yeah. Pretty hard, pretty hard watch, you
1: know, like, no i can imagine and that's yeah i was literally about to ask whereabouts were you on the ground when when that happened because that was obviously a, yeah a wasn't huge wasn't too moment. far
0: away from him actually i was probably yeah. only probably about 50 meters away and yeah. um sort of running back to help and then yeah he went down and first thing i did was to make sure yeah he wasn't choking on his mouth guard and that then yeah, yeah turn around everyone was blueing. Like, yeah <laughs> grab someone yeah the rest of the game is pretty much you know a bit of a blur to be honest like you just don't take it in and to this day i still haven't watched the whole game i've seen bits of it but i haven't watched the whole game so. yeah yeah Frustrating.
1: Oh, look I, I bet it was but you know like i think in looking back on that essence inside now I and mean, just the juggernaut that they were i think the fact that the fact that the days that you made it that far is an achievement but unfortunately yeah it didn't get over the line but look about what they did to opponents throughout that entire season not to say that
0: they were they were the best team by far that year. Yeah. And look, we 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 pushed them in, in one of the last, yeah, you know, we we played them about uh oh, might been about round 16 and there was only like 20 points in it. Yeah. And but then you know grand final day we were missing uh like Greenie got injured early, Simo was out, Cam Bruce didn't play because of yeah. the quad. yeah, Nathan, Nathan Brown uh was sort of you know Karen, um, Matty Maddie Whelan didn't play. Yeah, so we had quite a few guys out of our best team, I reckon. And then you come up against the best team for the year, who hardly had anyone out, you know, come grand final time.
1: Yeah, that's it. Well, those yeah, those few players that you ratted off, and certainly integral players for that year as well too. Um, When you're talking about guys that sort of made up that uh, that quality side there. But so throughout that time, you played under the great man Neil Danaher, and and I understand that you're a very big advocate and have a lot to do with the Danaher drive as well too. At the moment, I know there's a few of you boys that that organise that and do that each each year. And he's obviously had a massive impact on your life. But can you sort of briefly summarise what's sort the of learnings and impact that he had on you as a player, but maybe also you as a person as well?
0: Yeah, definitely. Look, as a coach, he was hard but fair. Like I always say that, like he was tough as nails, and you did. You never know when you went come into the rooms after a game if he was going to be all up and about and happy <laughs> or like just saying, yeah, you know, next week we're going to go next week. Yeah. so it was hard to read that way but he was very good with me you know and the most of the guys are teaching the guys the style of play that he wanted to play and that was the, the first year was there we went to um i think pre-season was at corporal grammar and we actually it was like going back to school we had the whiteboards out learning the way he wanted us to play so it was it become instinctive the way we, we used the ball and the way we moved the ball and even just the way we slowed the ball down sometimes so it was great like that but also for the boys he was a father figure you know a lot of the guys were pretty young or that middle age we didn't have a lot of older guys so he, became, you know he's like a father figure for us and yeah I, I was doing some stuff with motor neurone through um one of the coterie guys had a friend up at um omeo that had had motor neurone and yeah. the local hospital didn't have stuff to look after it so i'd been doing some stuff to fundraisers where we'd fly up there to dinner plane and play a game and coach and yeah, just fantastic. the locals, it was great. And then, unfortunately, when Neil got diagnosed with it, it, was I already knew sort of what it was all about. So yeah, uh, yeah, Nita, Nita, and myself, Chow, all the boys sort of got on board and said we really got to support this and you know, try and make it bigger. And it's huge you know, what Neil's done now. The, awareness in the in a disease and raise that much money for um, our research has been unbelievable.
1: Oh, isn't it? I think it's just, yeah, amazing and really just sums, sums him up as a human being and his passion and, you know, his passion for helping people. And I think from a footy perspective, you still see watching highlights of him as a coach and just watching his pure emotion of the game, I think, um, you know, watching his reactions after a close win or something like that, and, and regardless of how long ago it was, it's still... It still makes your heart beat and it still gives you a big smile. And and being you know being a fan during that era, it's uh it's something that you know is very very uh very satisfying to watch. But also to watch him do all his body work after after football and, and realizing the impact that he's having on a lot of people's lives and the causes that yeah. he's going for is is absolutely inspiring. And um continues to defy I suppose yeah the expectations that were put on him maybe when he was diagnosed. And I think a worthy worthy recipient of the award from this year as well too. Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. That, with that we we still give him uh we still stir him up about some of his sprays and that like when we have a beer together like we always yeah. like bring up a couple of like over in new zealand like our very first game the coach was um like a back in the answer cup game and he actually lost his voice he was screaming so hard that <laughs> one of the one of the assistant coaches had to finish the address so oh, we're man. like oh my god what this bloke's another that's what we <laughs> thought to start with
1: was that your first yeah I mean, your first- Big game there. And then I think they threw you on, is it Paul Kelly, potentially? To, did you yeah. spend a bit of time on that yeah, day? Just, <laughs> yeah. just a
0: gentle start to my career. Yeah, That's Paul right. Paul Kelly. Yeah. And then and the next week, I think I had Robert Harvey and then yeah, someone else. So. <laughs> yeah, i never eased me into it.
1: Yeah, well, it sounds like that sort of habit kind of stuck with you a little bit, didn't it? You're getting thrown on the on the toughest opponents and I remember one of those ones, I remember Chell was saying that, yeah, I think a lot of the boys were thankful they didn't have to run with any of them and and you unfortunately got assigned that job all of the time, week in, week out.
0: Look, I enjoyed it because you, the good players take you to the footy so it's all that, it helps you learn where to run and the running patterns and stuff and you know, Neil was pretty good at actually helping us, you know, cutting video of how the guys play and, and try and learn from that. And even when we were training at the Junction Oval, we'd sort of run patterns similar to what they were doing. So I, rec- I enjoyed the challenge and it helped me as a player learn my game even more, I think. So.
1: In a pretty big example of how football clubs can create pretty lifelong bonds and friendships, you were pretty instrumental in helping a couple of your, couple of your teammates when they were facing some pretty difficult circumstances in David Schwartz and Steve Phoebe. How hard was it watching those blokes sort of you know in need and how did you know what to do or how to help them
0: didn't really know what to do but it was yeah. just try and be there be there as a mate and um you know just be there for a shoulder to lean on and listen to them and do what you could to help them but a lot of a lot of the stuff they had to help themselves but just be there so they could get to that point to sort of you know ask for help and and then really commit to having a, having a go at like doing what they had to do so especially water you know like Gambling's a sickness and and for what he what he did, I was so proud of him because he you know he was deep, really deep in and his wife Karen was instrumental in you know actually getting it all out on the table and, and really yeah. helping him to slip you know, through that stuff. Yeah. yeah. and what Phoebes has gone through and gone through, you know, he's he's starting to come out the other side, which is great. But it was you know, it's tough to see. He was a big mentor of mine. Yeah. Um, you know we'd go we'd go for dinner most times after training because you know i was living living by myself at the time so you know his wife was playing hockey overseas everywhere and that so we we often had dinners after training and stuff so i was very close to steve so. and matthew yeah.
1: yeah and you're still you're still mates you're still pretty close with Schwader and, and Thieves now as well too obviously yeah. keep still keep
0: yeah, it a lot as much because He's down steeped way and that, so he's way. Yeah, uh, and even Schwaeder, we speak we speak regularly uh, yeah. on the phone, but he's about Melbourne, so it's, yeah, we try and catch up. A lot of the past players functions now are great catch up for us all.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's so. Right. Yeah, it's still, it still sounds like it's still still a pretty regular thing every once a year, and a few of those yeah. boys, you know, right. try we try
0: and-, and do a couple couple of functions a year, and then um, a couple of match day games as well. Try and get everyone to a game. Yeah. Um. Obviously, last year we, we didn't like everyone, we couldn't go, but. Uh, yeah. I think we're trying to organize something for round one if we can. So yeah, Yeah, fantastic.
1: And then unfortunately after grand final and everything that went through there, you, you suffered pretty serious back injury at the end of 2001 or was it, was it something that sort of developed over time or was it, was it one particular incident?
0: Yeah, Yeah, I was doing heavy weights, we saw that. I think it was about mid year two thousand and one. We were having I think we had the, the rest the mid year break and we're doing some testing to see if we dropped off from our strength and stuff. And I, I did some heavy dead deadlifts and I um I knew straight away I'd done something yeah not great. Yeah. And um I I think I played another two games after that and but I, I wasn't quite right. And then I, I was at training and been over to pick up a ball that was kicked at my feet and it's just like someone shot me out of the stands and that was that was virtually it. So
1: yeah, because you yeah spent a bit of time in rehab after that trying to trying to sort of get back, but it was a it was a long time out of the game,
0: wasn't it? It was. Yeah, I, I probably put up with it for about six months trying everything. Like people were emailing in the club, You know, I was getting like, acupuncture, dry needling. You know, going to all different special, back specialists, but in the end, they, they, one of the specialists told me straight away when he seen the scan that I need an operation. And I'm like, yeah. mate, yeah. You know, I was thinking at the time, I was only 26, and so like, I was
1: going to say, you're right. I don't right. want
0: anyone operating on my back, you know, because I heard horror stories. And then, in the end, I went to one of the good surgeons. I think he would worked on um, uh, what's his name, Michael Flynn. Yeah. Um, Gary Smith his name, and he said to me, like, your nerves like a electrical wire, and eventually the, the the disc will rub through it, and you'll have that pain all the time. So, then we better do something. And it was the best thing I did, to be honest, for me. Yeah, not even for footy, just for my life. Just for yeah, like, I don't have many. Yeah, yeah.
1: No, that's great. And and then the, you did get back to playing. Obviously, um, a little bit of a longer road, but you know, how was that? 18 months trying to get back into footy. Were, was it at the forefront of your mind, or as you said, it's not like it's something that you can get it replaced? Got, so
0: they got to that point where I'd sort of given up, like thinking about playing footy. It was just getting myself right to for life after footy, and you know, just yeah. I could get a job. You know, sit down or we be in the car because I couldn't sit for more than about a couple of minutes without having to get up and you know, I was in pain yeah. yeah so once I had the operation it was just I did start doing pilates three times a week or something because I couldn't do a lot to start with but I was walking yeah. had to walk you know at least minimum five k's a day and then uh, twice a day I was doing that morning and night and then pilates three three times a week and it started to get really strong and then they had a bit of a program for me and I think, uh, I can't remember what time of the year it was, and they started to join in a little bit of the real light training and that. And then, yeah, got got back. I think you know, it was, we had to practice games and, yeah, they put me through a few um fitness tests and stuff and I got through that and yeah, I was lucky enough that you know I got put back on the list. So I was on the long term injury list. But yeah, you know, I think eventually that, I think they delisted me and then drafted me back the way it worked. So.
1: And then yeah, so you, you drafted back and managed a couple more years, but then you retired that was after two thousand and
0: five season. I, I noticed like after I had the back surgery, it sort of it affected my my pace my top end pace and, yeah. and a little bit on my kicking and that neil was really good you know he helped me get to 100 just by i was frustrated because he sort of held me back from a few games that i thought i could have been able to play yeah. especially when we traveled and that um sort of looking after me to get me that 100 but then in the end you know my body was saying yeah it's not, enough's enough so i'd sort of made my mind up Sort of at the end of that 2005 season that i was going to and I actually went to catch up with Neil and he sort of spoke to me and said, look, we're just waiting to see what comes up in the draft, but we'd like you to play on. And I was going there to tell him no, you know, and, <laughs> and in the end, he said, no, yeah, that's, that's enough. And I said, thank God, because I was going there to tell him that yeah. I had enough and he really got me up and about again. I'm like, no, nah, <laughs> my, my body was good. So. Yeah. Especially when you're sort of bending over and you know, you're getting up like an old man, more from all the training and stuff. Yeah, Uh, whereas now I'm not too bad, so I'm glad I did, you know, because I only played one more year after that with Sandingham, and that was it. I give up, and I had heaps of offers to play country footy and that, but I just wanted to make sure I could still play golf and do other things, and run apart from footy because I love my time footy, but you know, when you've been at that level, when you drop off, I didn't want to be one of them old blokes running around, just yeah, looking that lazy and (laughs) productive.
1: And you, yeah, spent spent that last well that season after two thousand and five with with VFL. How was that? Because it was it sounded like it was not a bad uh, not a bad way to end your, I suppose, professional football career in that sense. And you would have still been around some of the boys from the club, given that Sydney yeah. and were our affiliate uh, at the time.
0: Definitely, I, I loved that year. It was fantastic because the, the two years before, I'd, I'd played sort of half and half with Melbourne and Sandringham, and got to know the boys. There's, you know, there's a lot of guys that weren't on the list anymore, like Chad Liddell was at Collingwood back in the day. Rod Crow was at North Melbourne. Um, we had a whole group of guys that come up from amateurs, like um, Andy Biddickham, and they had a really good club there at Sandringham. And it, was, it was much like playing back at Myrtleford. There was a really tight knit bunch of guys, and it was all about the footy club. It was the old school stuff that I loved. You could have a beer after the game. You know, yeah. So pretty like that. And then, yeah, I was lucky enough that I'd I, we run three in a row with them. So, premiership. So, it was a great way to hang them up.
1: Absolutely. So, so life after footy, you had, you're had hard at work, obviously, but how are you keeping yourself busy? And, and what, are you, what are you up to these days?
0: Yeah. Look, I was lucky enough that I started part time with William Adams. They're the caterpillar dealer. So, selling heavy, heavy uh, caterpillar machine uh, construction equipment. And, I, and they'd sort of approached me through the club and said, because I looked at that, there was a bit of an article in one of the Dean magazines about what I was going to do after footy. And I sort of said, I'm looking at setting up a landscaping business and stuff. And yeah. I think one of their managers at the time at William Adams was a Melbourne, Melbourne man. So he sent an email to the club to pass on <laughs> his details. So I gave him the call and he said, oh, do you want to come out and have a look at a couple of machines? So I went and did that and we sort of hit it off. and. I took him to the footy one day with me, like just to watch a game. Yeah. And he said, Oh, you know, we're pretty keen to get you on board. So it was just through the time I stood, you know, I was still um, playing at Sandringham and, and Melbourne. So I was in 2005. And I said, Look, I wouldn't mind doing some work experience. So through that 2005, the last season with Melbourne, I was working one day a week with them. And I was lucky enough that halfway through that, they, saw the, they said to me, We've got a job for you at the end of the year if you're keen. I said, Look, I'm pretty sure I'm going to retire. So, yeah. yeah worked out worked out really and huh. you know, i've been there 15 years now, so it goes quick
1: and you still obviously keep in touch with a lot of the boys and and you have a do you do have a really good friendship with Chelli, and friend of the podcast and you actually have quite a unique kind of bond between you two in terms of your heritage do you want to share a little bit about that because i've found that pretty fascinating
0: yeah that was that was pretty special actually like me and, me and Chell hit it off the minute that i walked into the club because we were a similar age We'd both been to other clubs before and and throw Anthony McDonald in that as well. Cause he he was actually training training his ass off at Hawthorne when I was there, because his okay. brother Alex was there at the time. And then yeah, me and Chell hit it off because you know we were going through just you know stuff and we found out that his grandfather was from the same town in Asiago where my grandfather was from. And yeah, my nana was only just down the road. And so it was yeah. it was quite funny that we we're so close. To families grew up so close together and then you know we end up have, having a great bond together so.
1: now nah, that's fantastic and family yourself as well too i understand your your wife's your high school sweetheart
0: yep yeah <laughs> so we went, to, we went to school together at myrtleford high and then yeah we sort of didn't hook up to like uh, right at the end of uh, year 12 and then she came down to uni to vic uni out in footscray and i went to hawthorne so it worked out all right are we sort of down here together and we got We've got two girls we got uh, Gemma who's 16 and a half and we've got Paige who's 13 and a half so
1: and current you're obviously still following the the boys at the moment what's your what's your current thought on the D's, and and yeah any any predictions for this season do you see any see us making any improvement from our our position from last year what you what are you thinking
0: yeah look they're working really hard we actually had a run with them a couple of weeks ago the past players went down to a Saturday morning run with um, the current players and Maxi yeah. Gorn organized that yeah so. We all put up very sore after that after doing <laughs> about imagine. a dozen wheel sprints. Uh, yeah. But it was good. And then we just went and had breakfast with them. But look, they're they're really, really fit. Um and yeah, the, the I thought, you know, getting Ben Brown will help us up forward, but hopefully we can get him up and running. Yeah. Um losing mm. uh Wiederman was a bit bit tough, you know, he's, he's out for a bit. But um yeah, I think the biggest thing we're just gonna keep working on our ball use. I think that's the biggest thing that really hurts us. We win the footy but we gotta really use the footy. And I think that's, you know, what we did well as a team back in the day was the way we, we used the footy to try and, you know, obviously hurt teams. Um, you can't give it back to them, you know. That's, that's the biggest thing. In any style of footy, you gotta be able to really hurt with your feet, I think, more than just with your handball. And that's that's where they gotta to get to. The good teams, you could look at Richmond, you know, I'd I put them up there at the moment, and Hawthorne at their best. They just really hurt teams with the ball use by foot. Yeah. Because it's, it's harder to deform yeah. You know? The good uh, kickers can pick
1: those off. That's exactly right. I think you look at players such as, uh you know, like Caleb Daniels and just watching how much damage a, a player with an accurate kick can can really, you know, do for a team and do for a side. And as you said, we've got so many, yeah, great great on-ballers and we can run and we can handball. But when it comes to kicking, it's one of those things that let us down. So hopefully, uh sounds like a couple of those players in the draft um, that we've targeted, hopefully trying to address some of those gaps there, but yeah, fingers crossed, we can get those forwards back in line and, and uh yeah, hopefully make a little bit more progress to getting back into the finals. And well, it'll be great because at least when they do make it, or if they do make it, we can, we should be able to go touch wood and all things,
0: all That'd things come well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So. We just need I, to keep giving the footy to the tracker. Keep yes. him the track and let him kick the footy because he's a beautiful kick. And yeah, the boys need to study him and do similar stuff. I think so.
1: Uh, and just to finish off, we've got a couple of uh, a couple of fan questions from social media. Uh, I've got the first one is from Tim Carr from Facebook, who's asked, "Who was the hardest opponent you ever played against, and and why?"
0: I always say Paul Kelly. Like th- those years I played on him, he was tough because I found the players hardest to play on were the ones that went and won their own footy, because they used to they'd try and lose you through the traffic, and I found them hardest to play on. And he was he was a machine, just. Uh, you know, Brownlow medalists and just hard as big as a bull, mate. He'd never give up ever. And I still put him as probably one of the hardest because just his physical strength and um, will to not give up was just amazing, yeah. Yeah. There's probably five I can put in there, you know, (laughs) but Robert Harvey just, you know, he was probably number two, just run and run and run, always got to the right spot. So those type of guys, yeah, Benny Cousins, you know, just never give up running, So but I'd probably say Paul Kelly, the toughest. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Got one from Chris on Facebook who said, Who is the most underrated player you think you ever played with?
0: Matthew Whelan. Yeah. Wheels. Yeah. He was, he was unbelievable, mate. He was one of the best. Like, yeah, you know, like Neb Jetta at the moment. Yeah. You know, Neb's a great player. Matty Whelan was unbelievable. You know, I loved playing with him. He was that tough and could use the footy really well out of, out of the back line and help set up the mids, you know, kick it to us. So I was, He was one of the most underrated that i
1: play with yeah and and played played for a considerable amount of time as well too had a pretty lengthy career
0: from from memory so
1: nice one mark on instagram said what was the biggest spray you ever saw neil Danaher give a teammate or did you cop it yourself
0: (laughs) no i was not too bad um probably probably wizard um got the massive one just like wizard you miss tackles He was just going off and <laughs> spitting on him and everything and then, and then he, he went to nita he sort of realized whiz was sort of getting pissed off so then he took on nita but probably whiz it whiz and we always laugh about it yeah he, yeah he was a ripper and the other one was um troy Longmill we we're training we we're playing geelong down there and we actually went down because we really struggled at your Park back in the day to play the narrow ground. Yeah. So he we went down midweek to train there, and I think Troy Longmuir you know, kicked it out, out of bounds on the pool about three times, and Neil just went off and just told him get off the track, and we all <laughs> thought he was joking. And he no, get, get off. Actually kicked him off the track. Back the that was pretty funny.
1: How do, how do you even react to that? Like as you said, you initially
0: think he's joking, then when you
1: realise yeah. he's not.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Longy just long went off like you know, wounded dog, poor bugger. So.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and I do have one last one from your good mate, Chell. Uh, he said, is your mark over Nathan Burke the most underrated mark in Melbourne Football Club history?
0: I think so. It's so yeah. probably the only time I've got off the ground. <laughs> I was trying to find footage of it. <laughs> he is loved it because I think he was waiting for the crumb and he couldn't believe that yeah. I actually held on to it. So.
1: <laughs> is there footage? Does yeah. there is there footage that exists? No, I, I don't think so. I tried I looking for so, it,
0: but... but I'm spewing. So. <laughs> It'd be one of those ones I'd change the angle so it looked like I was up even higher if I could yeah. get the footage.
1: Yeah. yeah. No, he said it was, uh, yeah, it might have been one of the rare times that you got your feet yeah. feet off the ground so I, nah, did I, play, I
0: didn't take too many I did, <laughs> so
1: that's right as long as the as long as the ones that you do take are memorable then that's that's the main thing that's beautiful well guys it's been an absolute pleasure to chat to you and really appreciate you coming on the show thanks so much for sharing your stories and and uh giving your time to us because it's uh yeah obviously fan service to me and, and to our listeners so uh we really want to thank you and and wish you all the best with your family and your career and hopefully uh yeah we might might catch you at the footy yeah trying to get down there round one definitely if if the ballot allows it if no thanks so much for coming and uh yeah wish you all the best.
0: Nah, thanks Dimmy I enjoyed it mate. Thanks for the questions and uh look forward to having a beer at a game with at one of the games with you. So. Yeah
1: that nah, sounds good. All right. Thanks guy. Cheers. All
0: right See everybody, everybody.